Do not confuse this with treatment or mental health advice or direction. Nothing on this podcast is made to supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your mental health caretakers. Although David Kozlowski is a licensed marriage and family therapist, he is not functioning as a certified mental health professional in this environment. But same applies to any professionals who may appear on the Light the Fight podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to Light the Pillow Fight, because we do not have a lot of energy to fight tonight, so it's going to be more of like a, a soft, We're like, chill. I'll just be patting, <laughs> stop, leave me alone, don't let my issues take the best of me. Knock it off. I don't think we, I could punch something as hard as I could right now and wouldn't even feel it. <laughs> I'd have no power behind that punch, I'm lacking the energy, so is Heidi, so is Brandon, so that's why today we come to you as the Pillow Fight. Light I like the Pillow that. Fight. <laughs> Stop lifting. It's fun. It's that's cute. Right. It's one of my favorite things. You know, it's pinnable. That, that, yeah, on that's Pinterest. Right. That's right. It's so cute. Um, so as you can see, you guys. Well, some of you can see, and yeah. some of you can't see. But here we are. We are on the on the YouTube. They came. YouTube. We emailed them to bring your people down here, and they came. So if you're curious about what we look like, then you can click on over to YouTube. Type in like the fight, and there we are. Right here, looking at you, being like, hey, what's up? Yep. So if you're only listening, you totally missed what I just did. So and <laughs> so go, which all the reason, just go back and watch this for a couple of minutes of us make fools of ourselves. You'll feel better about yourself. But while you're there making fun of us, hit that subscribe button. Subscribe so we feel better about ourselves. Yeah, this is a new thing we're doing. So it's going to take us a couple months to really kind of get the hang of it. But so far, this is our second episode up on YouTube. And um, we'd like it if you subscribe. And and I have a confession. I made this already to David and Brandon and told them that it feels weird to just chat and not be like on and making something. And so I feel kind of weird. And so I'm just going to be here. Well, little did you know, but our producer, Brandon, and I, we had a little plot to each week set up the cameras and say something's not working. Something's wrong and let them record, but you not know. See, that would have been so much better. But then I found out that was illegal. Oh. So we need your. Yeah. You could have sued you. You could have sued me. We actually need your. Consent. Consent for us to record you. It's kind of a legal thing. I don't know. Point is, um, that plan was fooled. So here we are, live on the YouTube. Yeah. And if you don't like us saying the YouTube, sorry, it's a little inside joke. And if you've ever watched like The Office and like shows that called The YouTube. Um, point is, we're if here. If you want to make your kids totally think you're so annoying, call it The YouTube or The Twitter. The Twitter or The Tinder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They love it. Or The InstaFam. Instead of Instagram. My mom used to call Pinterest the Pinternet. The Pinternet? So forever, yeah. it's now the Pinternet at our house, which... Well, I was called Facebook, Spacebook. <laughs> you still... Spacebook I, yeah. or yeah. Crackbook, either one, you know. It's kind of the same. Twitter, you could call it Tweaker, tweak out on it. 
All right, enough of the, the. You can tell we're just trying to get the engine started. We're, we we had a very long support group session before we started. We all took about ten minutes and just because vented about things going just, on. So let's all just let's all in. No matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, you're folding your clothes, you're doing your yard work, you're driving carpool. Just take a breath, take a deep <sighs> breath in through the nose. Hold it for four seconds. <laughs> And then let it out. Instead of breath, instead of mindfulness, we're going to call this breathfulness. That's right. So Because breathing is key. <laughs> breathing is key. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon doesn't think we're that funny. Yeah. It's a little inside joke. That if you know anything about mindfulness, I just thought I'd make up my own breathfulness. <laughs> <laughs> Why not, right? I'll write a book about it. I'll be a celebrity someday That's about right. something that I totally made up. Not even real. Somebody trademark that. Trademark that. All right. I know is my by the domain. All I know is my Apple iPhone tells me like every now and then need to breathe. I'm like relaxing, sitting. I'm like, you need better timing. I'm not stressed out right now. I was feeling fine. And the times I am stressed out, it just sends me texts. It doesn't give me the reminder to breathe. Well, it, one of the things that happened to me today is that my dad. Oh yeah. Who for 45 years the guy has had a table saw. In our garage, he's owned a table saw. He's used it. He's an avid. He's a man's man. That's right. I he would. Can, he can lose my stuff. arm with the yeah, table don't saw. You go. No, I no, can't be around table saw. Um. So my dad cut his finger really bad, and and I won't say that he cut it off because actually the doctor did that part. But um, yeah. So I had to go to the hospital. You know. My siblings were all kind of tag teaming. My poor dad's got this. I mean, it could have been worse. But you see me cringing right now on YouTube. It's because she showed me the picture that I did not ask to see. No. And That's gross. You, you guys, these are traumatic things. When you lose uh. your finger, it's traumatic. So it didn't, it was just part of the finger, but still. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's a physical so change. I think that it, it actually, like, just going to the hospital, um, and incidentally, it was the hospital where, where we, where we were with Corey. Really? And just going there is um, is not easy, and it's and it's almost four years. And so you know, there I am. I'm trying to focus in on the on the finger situation and and all this other stuff's popping off in the back of your head. And I'm standing, I mean, this is the thing that got me. I'm standing in the, actually the waiting room. Um, and this woman says, my gosh, look how, look how beautiful this view is. And when someone says that, you just like automatically like look, look to yeah. see what they're doing. Yeah. And, and it was the view, you know, it, it was the view and it, so You know, I always, like, whenever something like that goes down, I always think to myself, 65% of my energy is running my brain. <laughs> and I've just added, you know, I've just added more energy into my brain that is not, and and then you get this, yeah, so sorry. It, it and you're made burning it an more energy. Yeah. Yeah, burning more energy. Yeah. There's There's some emotions there that. Take a lot more, take a lot of work. And so if you're ever wondering why you're extra tired, just take a minute to think back through your day and say, you know, what are the things that 
emotionally overwhelmed me and energy sucked me, you know, because that, that's what yeah. happens. It's not by accident. Stress is the leading cause of heart disease and heart attack for, you know, especially for men and, you know, for, for women, the same thing, you know, stress and not sleeping and all these things, they don't do good things for us. No. Like, never does. And, and yeah, we, we know through science, thank you, science, that we only get so much energy every day. And if we don't figure out how to catch a couple waves and coast for a little while throughout the day, if we have too many stressful things stacking up on top of ourselves and in, in our life at that particular moment, we're going to be out of energy, but the day's still going. And, you know, that's, uh, it's, you know, I, you know, I, I didn't know that cause we didn't talk about that for the podcast that you took them to that hospital. But when you started talking about, it, I started thinking about, it. so I can only imagine for you what that was like, even though four years removed, it's still the same place. The room still looked the same. You know, they didn't redecorate. I'm sure in that time to pre- keep it pretty white tile floors, you know, keep it pretty straight and center, but makes a lot more sense why you're coming in here in the red, in the negative. We tried to plug her into a phone and a <laughs> wall, charger. but apparently the USB, we, could, we couldn't plug I her mean, in. I, yeah, the best not, thing we could do is- This isn't even helping. That's not, here's the thing about Diet Coke. There's not even that much caffeine in it. Like, it's barely got any caffeine. It's more just like, oh, sure, you're going to get energy from it. It's a placebo effect, <laughs> but working. it works. It can work sometimes. <laughs> so, well, thank you for hanging out with us for a little bit. And Heidi and I wanted to, we wanted to revisit a topic- um, sometimes we like to do 2.0s with uh, some of our more listened to episodes, but I think more of the episodes that just a lot of people seem to connect with. Well, and what's also interesting is I think for me, because a lot of the topics that we have talked about that dealt with, um, it was new information for me. So I was kind of like... Learning it real. at the Just the basics, yeah. like the, the 101, right? Yeah. And then um, I have found is like it's trickled down, it's become part of me and the way that I interact, then I kind of get down into the place where I'm like, okay, something's happening here and and I'm not understanding it. And it's and I need to talk about it again. And and so um Well things are are slowing down for you in the sense that you see what's going on, you know that you need to talk about it. But in the beginning it was just so new, so fresh. It was coming at you so fast. You're like, okay, you're just trying to like put together the pieces of the puzzle where now it's like, wait a second, maybe I'm seeing something different that I didn't see before. It's, right. it's like the matrix. Have you ever seen the matrix movie? <laughs> exactly. When he's in the matrix, all of a sudden, oh, the bullets are so slow. You just see things you didn't see before. Yeah. So let's talk about oldie but goodie from the light, the fight podcast about the oldest child in your family. You know that if you've been listening, you guys, this is one of those nuggets that you were like, uh huh, and it it made some things really make sense, but then it made some things a lot of questions too. Yeah, it brings up more questions too. A lot, a lot of things, a lot of questions that I have, um, and especially the last week or so. Um, but this is a really interesting topic that. Um, why don't you just do like a quick refresh in case people are joining us and maybe they haven't listened to everything? Well, if you haven't listened to the oldest child relationship um, or the firstborn, I think is what we called it. Is that it, what? Okay. No, it's, it's the oldest. Mm. I think it's just called the oldest child. But let me give you a quick little update. But go back and listen to that podcast. It'll make a lot more sense what we're talking about now. But in short, there's a very unique relationship in the family system between the oldest daughter and the mother 
the oldest ma the oldest son and the father. Now, when I say it's a very unique relationship, I'm trying to be very nice with that. <laughs> it's a nice way. Politically correct. It's it's unique. It's special. It's, 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 it's special. special. Yeah, bless their heart. <laughs> um, but probably a better way to say it, it is a relationship that will test you, push you, and is so important to the family system for a lot of reasons. But let me give you a couple of the basics. You can love your spouse, and by the way, obviously, we're talking about a traditional family system where a husband and wife are married. So if you are in a same-sex relationship, this is not one of the podcasts. Usually the podcast we do is all about inclusiveness. It includes everybody. But if you are in a same-sex partnership relationship, I want you to think about it in the sense of you're, if you are the oldest child with your parent, right? Because this isn't about like you have to have a traditional family to understand this. This is just relationships in general because no matter what kind of family you come from, someone had to give birth. Someone had to raise the child, right? So, And even if you happen to not be the oldest child, which I you'll see happen another to be. In your own but family. But it's very insightful to look at your family as it pertains to the oldest kids in your family and, and then the oldest kids in you in your family. You know, uh, the family you grew up in and the family that family you have. Family you grew up in, the family you have, but also the family of other people. I've taught this That's to true. a lot of my clients. I remember one. And, and in the movies. Right, this is the other thing. That, yeah, I had one 18-year-old uh, client a long time ago. She was working in her family's business, and this mom comes in with the daughter, and within 30 seconds of her and the daughter interacting, I mean, the mom and the daughter interacting, the mom comes to the cashier. She's all frustrated. She looks at her. She says, I'm so sorry, and she's apologizing for their argument that the mom and daughters went into. Well, my client leaned over the counter and said, let me take a guess. And she goes, what? She's like, that's your oldest daughter. And the the woman looked at her because she told me the story. The woman looked at her. She was, yeah. How did you know? She's like, oh, I'm the oldest daughter too. And they started to have a conversation mm -hmm. about it. And this is years ago. So she told this mom mind-blowing information. And this mom, it was like an hour conversation. It was just one of those cool things that people relate to. So getting back to what it is. So the father-oldest son relationship, mother-oldest son relationship. You can have a great relationship if you're a husband with your wife and as a wife, you can have a great relationship with your husband, but there's not a day in your existence as a mom that your husband will ever be a female. So you can love him. You guys can have a great relationship, but he will never walk in your shoes. He doesn't know what that existence is like. Believe okay? me, all the women who are listening understand that perfectly. And it's just a fact. <laughs> it's not, I don't think it's like criticism of men. No, it's just, no, it, there's differences. It's like, does a dog know what it's like to be a cat? No, gosh, that's bad. You get what I'm saying. I'm not trying to say, <laughs> I'm not trying to say men and women are like dogs, cats. My point is it's just different experience. It so, is. um, having said that same thing with, you know, with the father and a son, a father and a son because, or a mother and daughter, because they have a similar experience that they're going through they have an opportunity to be very unique companions through life. And what happens is when you first, if you're a mother or you're a dad, when you first see your same sex child when they're born, it's the first time you get to see yourself in a mirror. But you're not seeing all your flaws. You're not seeing all your mistakes. You're not seeing all the things you didn't do right throughout your life. You're seeing the most perfect, flawless version of you, but it's not you, but it's made from you. And so what happens in the, in the brain is that 
there's just this unique desire to want to protect yourself who's inside that child from reliving the same problems and going through the pain again because the only thing that'd be worse than you going through a bad childhood is your child also going through a bad childhood like you didn't break the cycle the only thing worse than you, you know, having all these different challenges in your life is to see your kid have challenges because they're just like you. It's like, no, they're not supposed to be like me in those ways, only like me in the good ways. Right. <laughs> Unfortunately, you don't get to pick which ways your kids are like you. So this relationship is very huge to the dynamics of the family because the oldest child is now the firstborn with the same sex parent is in all intents and purposes is a very important role in the family because they have two different purposes and roles in the family. So what I mean by this is through psychology, we learn that the oldest child, so the oldest son or oldest daughter is basically the hero to the family and they're also the black sheep to the family. And when I first learned about this, I was like, that makes no sense. Like how those are complete polar opposites. How could they be the same? But simply put, the oldest child is really the only person that knows. So the oldest son is the only one that really knows what's going on in the dad's head. You're half child, you're half parent. Because when you come along, your parent is not even a full grown adult yet. They're just first time in their life having a child. And once you start to have a child and raise another child, the, the direction your, your life goes, your hobbies, your free time sleeping in, that's gone, baby. Like that, that ain't around no more. Now it's all about them. But what it is, is you're actually learning about yourself by raising a child of the same sex. Now, it's not that you don't learn that in lots of different ways through raising a child of the opposite sex, but it's a symbiotic relationship. Symbiotic meaning you're two organisms that feed off of each other for survival. So the way I like to put it, it's like having an emotional Siamese twin. Mother, oldest daughter, father, oldest son is like having an emotional Siamese twin. No. They're feeling all the same things that you're feeling, but the problem is you're from different generations, different life experiences, and they interpret what's going on different than you. So to work together is the goal of the parent with your same-sex oldest child. Now the rest of the family, they're needing that relationship to be really well because if the oldest child shows up, works with the dad and the dad works with him or the mom works with the daughter, then the family can progress and grow. But if they don't work together, then what happens is that child who's supposed to be the hero to help out the family, to bring honor and pride to the family, now becomes the black sheep. If they start to challenge what the parent is doing or saying and goes against the parent to try to tear the parent down or create that confrontation, then now the rest of the family is like being held hostage. So and I'll elaborate a lot more on this. So just give me one second. So go back and listen to the old podcast, but in short, it's a symbiotic relationship. Mom, oldest daughter are feeding off each other for energy. They don't always know what the other person is feeling, but they feel it as if it's happening to them. Then the oldest child is really supposed to be the hero of the family, but if they feel like they can't satisfy the parents' needs, the parents won't listen to them, that they don't offer any value, then they take more of the black sheep role. Because when kids come to me with all sorts of struggles, and they're the oldest child, what I find out pretty quickly is that their struggles with their own personal life, it casts a very black mark on the family, like a like 
oh, something's wrong with your family because your kid's running away, they're doing drugs, they're self-harming, whatever it may be. But really what they're doing, they're the flag bearers of the family. So it's if they're waving a flag saying, my family is not perfect, we have to make some serious changes, otherwise we're gonna get stuck in our old way of doing things and we're not gonna evolve to be a happier, more successful family. So that first child in the family is so important because they're the ones that are gonna be challenging the family system more than anyone else, or they're gonna be the ones trying to make the family proud of them more than anyone else. And in either of those roles, being the hero can be extraordinarily stressful and being the villain or the black sheep can be extraordinarily shameful. So when I say what I'm about to say, I'm not exaggerating. At bare minimum, eight out of 10 boys and eight out of 10 girls I see on a month-to-month basis are the oldest child. And that's been in the past 12 years of my private practice. 12 years of private practice, been doing it for a long time, but the 12 years of the private part, I just kept on asking my mentors and why do I keep on having, I'm like, why is it always the oldest child coming in? And through a lot of research, through my studying from my school time, working with my mentors and stuff, and just my own just curiosity and trying to take notes on everything, I found out that these are like two people, or it's one person that was split in two, but they have totally different vantage points. It's like, you're looking at quarter, the mom's heads, the daughter's tails, but they're the same thing. So if they're separated and they're against each other, they don't have their full value. If a mom's living a perfect life, she's like on a scale from one to 10, she should be at a 10 or life, but her oldest daughter is at a two or three, there's, there's, for some reason, she can't really hit the maximum capacity of her happiness and success because there's a bond and a unity between those two that she needs the daughter to come with her. And it goes the other way around. I've counseled daughters where daughters are, should be successful. They're going to college, they're doing all these things, but for some reason, something's really weighing them down. This one I'm thinking of, she's struggling with depression, but she's getting out of it. Mom's still struggling with it for years it's almost like it's the only thing that keeps her connected to her mom. If she's no longer depressed, then she won't be able to relate to her mom. She can't come to her mom's aid. So she's realizing that she needs to actually step outside of that relationship, develop her own autonomy, and then mom can follow her modeling how to get through depression. But man, when you're that close to someone, you're like emotional Siamese twins, it can be so complex to figure out such minor issues because it's as if it's happening to both of you at the exact same time. So I wanna, and I can go on and on, but that was a quick little step. So yeah. now go ahead. I want to just say what my thought is as a mom when we first like talk about that. When you give this example, basically is I'm always thinking to myself, well, I just screwed up my oldest kids. <laughs> and that's why maybe there's a struggle or maybe that's why they're doing, you know, this or that. Because, you know, we all know that on your first child, whether it is a girl or a boy, um, you're, you're different with your first child than you are with, with your last child, you know? And so I think that, you know, I've thought about that relationship and wondered maybe it was just because I was so uptight but then when I learned about this concept, it was like, oh, there's actually just a really different role that's happening and a different connection um, that is there for, for a purpose. And um, the other thing that I want to emphasize 
that I don't think I understood the first go around when we talked about is when David defines this as an emotional Siamese twins, um, that doesn't necessarily mean that you have the same emotion or the same opinions or even the same, or the same likes personality or dislikes. Yeah. It just means that there's this connection that you you know how that person feels about your decision. And so for me, it's interesting because I'm the oldest daughter of an oldest daughter of an oldest daughter. And the trifecta. It's an interesting... That same thing with my wife. It's three generations, oldest daughter, oldest daughter, oldest daughter, and then we had a daughter. It's like... Yeah. And, and so we go into my oldest daughter, and I'm very... Um, it's very interesting, the role that I play in my family that I see my daughter playing and the way our relationship works. And because I just feel like I have been given this little bit elevated perspective, just that I can look at it kind of from above and and know something about it, um, uh, it keeps like I, <laughs> I, wa- I want to fix it or change it or separate it or not get sucked in because it can be a bit of a vortex, really. Um, but I don't think it's meant to be severed. But I do think that there's advantages to understanding it. Yeah. So using some personal examples, you know, Heidi has one from with her and her daughter because she's graduating high school. I have one with um, first time being brought up on this podcast. I think like like this way with my biological father. So. I've known about this whole father-oldest-son relationship forever. Well, not forever. It seems like forever because I'm so old. But for a long time. Just ask his back. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but um, I've only known my biological dad for two years. And I had a conversation with him today. I have to use every single skill I've ever learned that I've ever taught anyone in a our conversation that was didn't need to be an hour conversation. But what I realized when I got off the conversation, no one can make me feel as frustrated as he can. And here's how he made me feel so frustrated. He was telling me his plan of his life right now and the things that he wanted to do. And it was really it would have been a really great plan, but there's a couple small details missing that are actually really important. And I, you know, I've only known him for a couple of years. I'm you know, but he's told me, hey, be honest with me, son. Like, he's told me my things I've said to him have already made him go, wow, and think differently about his relationship with other kids. And he admittedly doesn't have good relationships with a lot of human beings, just in general. I mean, I shouldn't say human, family specifically, but he's been a difficult guy to get along with at times. And he admits this, he knows this, he's working on it. But when I'm listening to this and I'm watching him talk about, it's just this, yeah, and then I'm going to do this, do that, and and go, go, go. I'm sitting here cringing, and I'll tell you why. Because I fight doing that myself every single day. And I just sit there and listen to someone talk like me at my worst, most, they're like, I'll just go and do this. Everything's going to work out fine. I'm like, 
no, like you need to not be like you. So I don't have to be like you. Like, <laughs> it was just the most frustrating thing. And I love him. I mean, I love him as much as I can for a guy I've only known for two years. So I didn't have a part of my life, but I'm like, why do I get so worked up and I care so much that he's making just ridiculous decisions but he's not doing bad things. He's not a bad guy. It's just like, just naive stuff. And I'm like, you're 66 years old. I'm like, you're not be able to afford to live. Like I start stressed. I'm like, how could he get that emotion out of me? Because I'm his oldest son. His other two sons, I, I've only met one of them, but they're struggling in life big time. And they have no father in their life. And he tells me about his abandonment issues with his father. And he tells me every generation in a story where their father treated him like crap. So they treat their kids like crap. And then right before they die, they go, man, I wasn't that good of a dad. <sighs> then they go to sleep for the rest of their life and they never wake up and no one ever did anything about it. So I just want to put in my own feelings for all of you out there, whether you're the oldest child, look at your parent and go, please make those changes. There's something about this relationship that is more of a mirror and requires more of a partnership than any other relationship in, as opposed to the other kids. This relationship is your best friend, but you have to go through some individual separation because it's so hard to have your own individual personality, your own individual thoughts and feelings where all the thoughts and feelings are coming to both of you. You know too much about each other. Oldest daughters tell me all the time, it's like, I've been around my mom a lot longer than the other kids have. Yeah, my mom's doing a little bit better now, but I know where her bodies are buried. I know the mistakes she used to make. And then the oldest daughters will be calling their moms out at it. And the mom's like, that was 10 years ago. Like, how dare you embarrass me in public and bring that stuff up? There's something about the oldest daughter wants the mom to be better to inspire her that she can also be better. And the oldest and the mom wants the oldest daughter to say, if you get better, it's gonna make me feel like I wasn't a horrible person. Boom. <laughs> Right, like I wasn't going to talk after that. Going, <laughs> I wanted to end with that. Like, stop right there. Because if our child is thriving, then that means we did something right. And if our child is struggling, it means we did something wrong. And to the child, it's very simple. I have the stress. The oldest child. I have the stress of giving you proof that you are worthwhile. That even though I was the experiment, you didn't screw me up completely. But that's a lot of stress and responsibility for the oldest child. Because they, they still gotta screw up. Yeah, and so parents say things like, you shouldn't have to worry about me. By the way, I counsel basically two different types of oldest child. The one who's the black sheep, who's always getting in trouble, or the one who's the overachiever, who's like, Piano recital on Tuesday, dance recital on Wednesday, football or, you know, whatever on Thursday, like they're just straight A's or doing all this stuff, but they are breaking down. They are working so hard to say, our family's good. My mom's not bad, but they're, both of them are carrying a responsibility. They feel like, so for the, for the oldest daughter, going back to that, she's looking at her mom and saying, I need you to believe in yourself because I don't even know if I can believe in myself yet because I'm still young in my development. And the mom's saying, well, I don't know if I can believe in myself. Why don't you figure it out? You make me look good. And then I'll just like ride off in the sunset by your coattails. Unfortunately, the child needs the mom to step outside of her comfort zone and really face her own challenges and share what she's learning in that process. And then the child, the oldest daughter or the son can be like, okay, I'm struggling too. I didn't know I could talk to you about these things. 
that partnership is so, so important in the family because if those two people are at odds with each other, that oldest child can create a whole lot of dissension with the other kids. The oldest child has very big power over other family members. The power of persuasion, the power of disruption, <laughs> the power of, hey, let's go the opposite way that mom and dad want us to go just despite mom and dad. And then mom and dad are like, dude, you're killing me, bro. Like, <laughs> I need you to like be with the team and you're going against it. Now my job just got 10 times harder. It's like your best friend is the one starting the rumors about you. And it's like, Ugh. Well, and isn't it interesting? And, and parents, those of you who are listening, think about the standard that you hold your oldest child to versus the standard that you hold the other children to. Now that doesn't mean that you don't, that there aren't expectations and that doesn't mean that the other children aren't rising up. It's more of a standard that you expect yourself though. But it, but it's, it's just so, it's so interesting. And for me, when I think about my mom, there could have been a thousand people telling me that they liked what I did or how I looked or, or telling me good job. But if it wasn't coming from my mom, I just didn't feel like anything was good enough because her opinion mattered the most to me. That didn't mean that I liked it. That didn't mean that I even, like, she was harder on me than anybody else. Um, well, it's the opinion that you heard the most in your whole entire life, for sure. Right, right. And I, I feel the longest myself, opinion. <laughs> yeah, I feel myself doing that, and then trying, trying not to, um, trying to let my oldest daughter learn her own lessons and not me like interfering and trying to be like, well, no, I can tell, no, don't do this, you know. And I'm so hyper, you guys. I'm such like, oh. I, like the freaking out isn't just like the bad freaking out. It's it's the hyper overprotective, like I see where this is going and I don't like it. And and me just being like super sensitive to emotions that I I mean, I wish I could kind of just say, All right, Heidi, let's just step down and out and this is not your graduation. <laughs> and allow things just to be and see what happens with them without you having some sort of influence or involvement. I don't, sometimes I just, I don't know how to just kind of acknowledge and then let it, let it be. Well, the children are under a great amount of stress and pressure in lots of arenas because the expectation, like you said, is different. I, you said it perfectly. I totally agree with you. I can attest to all the people that have counseled throughout the years as like I said, it's the majority of the people. It really is 80 to 90% of the people I counsel are the oldest child. And it's it's so <laughs> it's so messed up how someone that you're so close to, and that's why I call mom's oldest daughters, father's oldest sons are really best friends. I like this is a metaphor, obviously it's not literal, but it's like they're best friends, but one was born to the other. So what's unique about our our best friend? Well, they know a lot about us. We've been through thick and thin together. So if we're together this long after we've seen the worst of each other and know our deepest, darkest secrets, when they're still around, they're not going anywhere. You know, we're, we're, we're solid. We're going through this together. But when our best friend is critical of us, when our best friend is not willing to go along with something, 
it hurts in a whole different way. Or even just way. calling us out. Like, calling us out. You mentioned like the calling out. And, um, you know, as your kids get older, and some of you who are listening might know what I mean, your kids start to to look at you and be like, you know, mom, are you, you're really going to, you're really going to eat that? You're really going to do that? You're really going to. You're really going to let my little sister, who's 12 years old, do that? You know, like, they oh, yeah. they are the, right there, holding, holding you to the And you the know line. why they're that way? Because we made them a parent. You asked her, who do you think has gotten more diapers in their life, Quincy or your Capri. other daughter? Or you Capri? <laughs> yeah, Quincy. The oldest one, they are mini mom. And if they can't take the pressure and they go, I'm done with it, I don't want to do it anymore, Moms get worried because like, wait, that's what our relationship was worked on. Like you help me and, you know, we do this together. But as they become teenagers, as they get older, they start to question the way that you do things because you're not doing everything perfect. And I'm not saying you just, just Heidi, just us as parents. And so they yeah, have because that, they're finally like when they're young, they're not seeing. Yeah. When they the get older, angle, like, then they start like mom's stressed out. What is going lot. on in there? I can tell. I'm just going to bring up some of mom's insecurities to tell her that she that's why she's stressed and she'll just go and change them. <laughs> Come to right, find out. We love that. All the oldest kids I talk to, I go, how did that work out? And you called your parent on that. They're like, not so well. My favorite. They didn't like it too much when I told them that they don't do this or don't do that. And they'd be happier if they did. My favorite is when I'm like, all right, this room needs to get cleaned up. And they're like, scrapbook room, when are you going to when are you gonna clean up your scrapbook room? And I'm like, hey. That's my job. It's different. Get You're not allowed to tell me what needs to get cleaned up in here. <laughs> but, and, and then I'm like, crap, I got to go. I got to go clean up my scrapbook. You know, and then I just feel like rude, offended, and they're probably freaking right. That's the worst is when they're right and they, and you, you kind of got to admit that. And I see that happening a little with my, my husband and my, and my oldest son. And it's interesting as I watch that because you have talked about this before. You've talked about how it's this oldest child's role. And you said it a second ago to disrupt, right? And the, the only way change happens is through disruption. The reality is that this generation has given the world the greatest leap or the highest level of disruption. And so moving a parent from where we've been to where our kids are with tech, with what they've learned, with the pace – I mean, the list goes on and on. This disruption is is significant. And I'll watch my son come in and, you know, there's something that my husband's done forever and ever and ever, done it like this. It's the way his dad taught him to do it. This is just the way it's done. And my son will come in and be like, well, why don't we just do this and this? And it's like 20 times faster and everybody's mad because <laughs> he was freaking right. And we're like... Well, no, but we're still going to do it this way. Get back out there and trim it by hand <laughs> instead of, you know. I mean, I, you know, I find that even here, like in in my little workshop, um, Colton has taken over certain things. And there's a lot of things he still needs his dad to help him and teach him. But, man, he questions everything, which just makes Eric so mad. 
you know, and, but, but you said it to me before, that's his job to question. And so, and so how do we, how do we negotiate this relationship? How do we not take it personally? Well, that, that's the biggest challenge is because when the oldest child, our oldest same-sex child has criticism of us, um, points things out, even though it might be for our betterment, there's still a lot of headbutting when you have like a best friend type yeah. of relationship. Best friends aren't always acting like they're best friends. They'll drop their issues if there's a real problem in life. Okay, we'll be mad at each other later. What's going on? Like that's just how best friends work. And with the parent and the same-sex oldest child, the oldest child can be disruptive at times, but then the other times, on the opposite end of the spectrum, the oldest child can go along with the family story and try to protect the family from being exposed for having issues that the family is pretty fragile about. Unfortunately, the oldest child doesn't see exposing the family issues as a bad thing. It sees it as a necessity. So from the beginning of time, and you can listen, if you've already listened to the first podcast, just repeating it, the first one of this topic, from the beginning of time, doesn't matter what culture you're in. There's this, there's this, this common connection between civilizations, people that lived on opposite ends of the world from one another. For some reason, they had an inclination for if there is ownership or if there was a kingdom of some sort, that whoever was in charge, like if it was a king or a queen, that they were going to pass over their rightful heir to the throne to a child. But in all these different cultures and civilizations, they always gave it to the firstborn. Some people would say, oh, it's just only the first. It's only fair. But I don't know if you've ever ran a kingdom. I know I haven't. But I know in running a business, you usually don't turn it over to someone who is your first employee. You turn it over to the person who's best capable to run the kingdom, the business. So instead of just giving it to the child who's most suitable for the job, based upon you've watched them grow up, it was always given to the firstborn. In fact, it was given to the firstborn of another spouse. So if like a king had three wives, I know these are the old days, not today, but if a king had three wives, the first boy in the first relationship died somehow. That first woman, if she had three other sons, those other sons don't become the next in line. It's the firstborn of the next wife that comes in line. He dies, firstborn of the third wife that comes in life in line. And in my research, I geeked about, I geeked out about this for years. You see it in biblical stories, you see it in movies and store like in books, then you see it in movies. I say it all the time. Disney. They figured out how much money they could make off this relationship. Star Wars and Oh my gosh, Star Wars. I mean that's Lion King. Lion King. Uh <laughs> Elsa from Frozen, Brave, go on and on and on. There's this story that's underneath the whole entire story. And so when we look at our kids, our firstborn child is like, wait a second. This is not the experiment child. This is the mirror child. The mirror does not lie. That's tough. And it's hard to filter through an adolescent, for an example, if you have an adolescent, same-sex oldest child, it's hard to filter through the brash words, they're not good at communicating these things. But if you pay real close attention to what they're saying to you and you invite more of what could be taken as criticism, but you invite it and you tell them, I need this information. You're the only person that's seen me in these different working environments compared to the other kids because 
you may be, the oldest kid's going to see things at preteen and older kid years that the other ones are irrelevant. They don't even know what's happening. So since this kid has more exposure over time, they actually have more credibility to weigh in on what they see. Now, it doesn't mean that you agree, and sometimes they may not be right, but there's something about inviting your oldest child to give you information because they have your back, meaning you can't see what they can see. Now, the parents that I've worked with that they do that, they do the parenting partnership agreement and parenting partnership mentality like all the other parents. But the only difference between this one is I make this one significant addition. I tell dads with their sons in the same room, moms with their oldest daughters, I tell them this, your relationship with the two of you is the most important relationship in the family. And they look at me like, wait, how's it like about mom and dad? I'm like, well, with all due respect, moms and dads can get divorced. Moms and oldest daughters can't. Dads and oldest sons can't get divorced. So what you have here is you have a relationship that I see in my office that brings people to divorce. You put an oldest son or an oldest daughter in between a mother, or a husband and a wife that have different backgrounds themselves, and you say, you try to get, you try to agree on how to raise this kid. That in and of itself brings people into marriage counseling. Because that's how I would meet all my marriage counseling people. The oldest child would come in, work on these issues. Next thing you know, it's creating a lot of you know, problems in the couple. And then they feel comfortable with me and they open up and I start helping them. It's something about that relationship is so important to the whole family system. Because think about it. If mom and oldest daughter, they're seeing eye to eye, they're partners, they have this agreement. You can come to me. I can come to you. We may not always agree, but we're running this like this is a very important leadership responsibility role. You're the main leader and she's the manager. If you start looking at it like that, then you see it like we have the same problems. We have to work together to solve your problems and to solve my problems. Sometimes the mom is going to be the lead on the project and she's the one that's got to create the plan and then the daughter's just support and vice versa. Sometimes the daughter, she's got to go lead. She's got to do the graduation party. She's got to do this. And mom's just there for backup. But for them to not to overstep their bounds, it takes practice at that. And that's what naturally happens when I say emotional Siamese twins. When you're feeling something that's causing you pain and it's causing the person next to you pain and they're ignoring the pain, you're like, no, you're not ignoring this because I'm going through it until it stops. So we need to make this stop together. And that's the emotional Siamese part that's really hard for the mom, oldest daughter, father, oldest son to work through. Because a lot of times when we feel pain, not everybody's going to react it to the same way. One person's going to want to run sure. from it and the other person's going to want to face it. And that can cause a lot of problems, especially in younger schooling years, because the kid doesn't see the long-term value of what's going on. So the parent wants, like, let's say the homework to be done a certain way. Kid's like, it's no big deal. I'll finish it later. Now on the flip side, the parent may be neglecting some things in their life. Maybe they don't sleep. Maybe they're like you and they stay up all night working. And then the, the daughter's like, hey, mom, like, got to get to bed. Like, I know it affects me. Like... It really, I just see you so much happier. The mom may not want to deal with that, but if you want to work this relationship to actually increase the whole entire success of the family, those two people, mom, oldest daughter, father, oldest son, need to be working and inviting each other to share instead of shutting it down because it's harder to hear it from the person that's so close to you. So I want I want to point out an important distinction between the first time we talked about this and now. And my brain's like, because I'm thankful that we can 
talk about this um, issue right now. So in that first time we chatted, it feels like it was really kind of um, let's identify this relationship and kind of um, pointing out like the aspects of the relationship and helping us as listeners um, to understand that it's there and be and have some awareness about it. But I don't know if we really talked about like here's the tools, right? And so that's really what this 2.0 episode is about. It's about like, okay, we know what it is. We know it exists and we know it's creating challenges. We know it's important. And we're even starting to see it a little bit better. What can we do about it? And that's what that's what we're addressing here. And and as we're talking about this, like um, I had just a really interesting experience just this last week. Quincy graduated from high school. And the whole the whole day, I'm just like all these feelings. And they weren't like it wasn't necessarily sad. I mean, I was happy. I was proud. She was graduating. I had her with me. Like, I was part of it. And and I was, I was just, I was just so full of feelings. And so full of feelings that I was not functioning. And I was kind of, I was crying because I didn't know what to do with all of the emotions. And I really wanted to like discuss it with her. And I'm like, statement, statement, statements. Like I'm trying, I'm trying to, because I could, I could actually, I could feel tons of emotions coming from her, but we weren't sharing. Right. So we finally, like, I finally said to her, I just, I kind of climbed into her bed and she showed me this video from Twitter and it made me cry, which was I did not need that because it kind of just launched me. But I think she was kind of surprised that I was the one that was having all these feelings. And she's like, I'm the one graduating. Why are you having these feelings? And I was like, I feel like I need to do something for you. Because this is my my love. Like This is how I congratulate people is by throwing a party. What I realized about myself is that I throw the parties so that I don't have to feel. Because it is way easier for me to like flip into my mode and pull something together than like sit and feel and wonder why I was feeling this way. And so for tasks don't have feelings. It's way easier. (laughs) It's way easier. So, you know, so for like literally two hours, two essential fantastic hours that I could have been like whipping together whatever this was that I was going to happen. And I even said to Eric, this is the best. I said, I feel like I got to do something. This is the day of graduation. I don't have anything planned. Right. And I said, I feel like I've, I've got to pull something off. And he's like, just let me know 25 minutes into it. I'm sure you're going to I'm sure you're going to pull off whatever it is that you need to pull off. Like he he knew that there was something that needed to happen that I wasn't. And anyway, so here's what happened. Here's what was interesting. I was a little non-functional. And then Quincy says to me, what do I need to help you? What do I need to do to help you? 
mind you, this is the party for her. And she's like, mom, what, what can I do for you? And we like kind of divided and conquer. I finally switched into gear. She came out and helped me and, and we whipped together a dinner in a very short amount of time just to kind of send her off to graduation. But she's out there like blowing up balloons with me. And I thought, you know, was this for me or was this for her? Quincy understood that it was for me. No doubt, I had to feel those, I had to feel all those feelings. Like, her graduation was an experience in, in my life, and, and I was invested in it, and I'd gone through it. And I needed that maybe more than she needed that, I, I, or just as much. But what's interesting is that she knew. And so here's the thing that I want to bring up is that I'm always saying this on our podcast. I'm always saying that this podcast is about us as the listener, me as the parent. This isn't how can I fix my kid? This isn't how can I change my kid or what can I do about my kid? This is me. How, how can, can I know I, me better? How can I fix me? How can I improve me? And all of a sudden, I just had this total moment of clarity when I was like, when you were saying, this isn't, this is a relationship that is a mirror because the way that we function, the way that we improve this relationship with our first oldest child is not by fixing them or changing them. It's by fixing, changing, attending to ourselves. And when I realized that I needed to have that little event for me, and when Quincy stepped into this role where she's helping me blow up the balloons, she knew I needed that. I think that's a great example of our first episode. We talked about the pitfalls, the worries. People are like, wow, it's so crazy. Like, it's so true. A lot of people can relate. Once they open up their eyes and start to look around them, like, wow, my friends. Yeah, like you start to see that. <laughs> right. You and start watching movies differently. It's all around us, and which is surprised me. It's not talked about more, hence the reason why we're talking about it again. However, um, we haven't really focused on what happens when you get locked in the same path, in the same purpose, and become partners with your same-sex oldest child. Man, it's magic. There's no one else that you would have rather been blown up balloons with you. There's no one else that could have had shared that same experience with you than Quincy. Because when you're graduating from high school, you're just going through the experience. When you're helping your, your oldest daughter, you actually get to help create and be a part of the experience. When you're graduating, when you graduate from high school, it's like, yeah, okay, next thing you know, you're going like, things are just happening so fast. You're not like soaking it all in. You're not planning it. It's just happening. So you get to go back and you get to live life, but you get to choose how you want to plan it and choose how you want to do it this time. And she is the only one on the face of this earth that gives you that opportunity. It's, it's such a unique relationship. I watched my oldest son and my oldest daughter do the martial art that I do, jujitsu together. I'm so, 
I'm on edge when my son's doing things. I'm like, I can barely watch my, oh, I'm like, okay, be careful. Cause like if he throws it, I'm like, what am I doing? I have to shut up. My buddy who teaches them, I have to have, I can teach them all those stuff myself. I have to watch him do it. My daughter, I'm worried and concerned about her. But what happens with my son, it's like, I just got hit or I just not hit, but like thrown down like, because we're practicing stuff like for self-defense. I'm always feeling it. But with my daughter, I'm concerned with my son. It's happening to me. I can't tell the difference between him and me. And that is the hardest thing I've ever had to deal with. He's four years old, about to be five. I feel like I'm doing a good job at this, but I can't tell you how hard it is. Just the other night, my wife is so amazing with him and I'm not bad with him at all. I feel I do a great job with him, but he has a different personality than me. He is, I mean, he's a Leo, but he's very, like very, he's much like his mom where it's like, no, and he won't do it. Like if you even try to get him to do it, he'll sit there for three days and he won't do it. But if you just kind of sit there and let him, he'll do it. For me, I was like, okay, I'll do it. Like when I was a kid, I was like, sure. You want me to run around the car a hundred times? Sure, I'll do that. So we're different that way. I'm like, why don't you just go along, son? Like why do you have to flip out? He's just so passionate about everything. And I have to find this. It's so hard for me to find this fine line between I need to help him have some thick skin and take it, like be tough and not be so overly sensitive. But because he's so aggressive and so intense, I do have to bring him down and with softening. But my hardest thing right now is when he goes intense, I feel this rage inside of me where I'm like, oh my gosh, like, why do I want to just yell at him and shut him down or slap him? And it's the first intense instinct that comes to me. And then I take a step back and I shake my head. I'm like, and I just walk away. And my wife's like, you're being mean to him. I didn't say anything. I'm like, no, I wanted to be mean to him. And I take a deep breath. I watch her handle the situation. And then I come back and say, hey, son, I'm sorry. I should have done this. Tell me what's going on. We can talk it out. But it's so hard for me. I don't know why that is the only human being in that. At, like my daughter, it's, it's just easier flow. But for some reason, when he's acting that way, it twists my neck and it makes me feel like he's going to embarrass me to the whole entire world when he was just being a kid. He didn't do anything. He was just, that's his personality. So now I tell him, okay, you want to know what happened? He told me he hated me the other day for the first time. And it was out of the blue, out that's of nowhere. such a comfortable And he goes, he goes I hate you. But he said it to my daughter. And then when I came back, I sat there. I was going to, my first instinct's like, did you just say you hate me? That was almost came out of my mouth. And I stopped and I looked at him. I said, son, you're not happy with me, are you? He's like, nope. He goes, I hate you. <laughs> I was like hoping he wouldn't say that because it stung. And so we talked about it for a second. I said, listen, I go, hate means you don't want me to be your daddy anymore and you think I'm a bad dad. If you're mad at me, that means that you don't like what I said and what I did. And I took the time to explain to him for five minutes the difference. He looked at me and goes, I don't want another daddy. You're, you're my daddy. I want you as my daddy. I was just mad. He doesn't talk really that good because he's still a little cave boy. And he talks not bad, but he's more like, uh, uh, you know, but he got it. You know, it wouldn't have happened if I didn't take that five minutes. And I would have said, why did you say you hate me? Oh, you Go hate me, huh? <laughs> You hate me? Well, I'm going to take your favorite Ninja Turtle scooter I just got you and put it outside. What, you hate that? That's it's the only things that want to come out of my mouth. I took a deep breath and I thought about it. I'm like, you know what? My son gets to tell me he hates me. We get to talk about it, work it out, and have a conversation. But there is a moment 
where I realized everything my biology said, that's not fair, that's not right, how dare he hate me? Well, guess what? That's the mirror. I'm like, he's got reason to hate me. He knows that I'm flawed and imperfect. I know too much about this father, oldest son thing. I overthink it. Instead, I just said, what is hate? Okay, you hate, okay. Uh, okay, so I'm like, oh, you're just mad at me? Okay, we, we dealt with it. It was the biggest win I've ever had because it really did hurt me. My daughter's like, I'm mad at you. I hate you. And then I'm sorry, I said I hate you, dad. That gives me a hug seven <laughs> seconds later. My son, I wasn't sure if he was going to pull out of that one for a day. Point is, that feeling is so intense and painful. But if you make the right moves, you say the right things on the back end of it, since that happened, my son has been clinging to me like he's never clung to me before. He's like, I want to sit next to dad. He wants to sit next to me at dinner. Everything he wants to do with me has increased drastically in the past four or five days since he said, like the week since he said that. Because the way I handled it, I know for 100% true fact, that's the reason why he wants to be around me more. Because I actually did not do what I wanted to do. I realized that he has a power inside of me, but I also have a power inside of him. If I would have held it to him and been angry at him for emotion he had, I would have made him feel horrible about himself because he saw that it hurt me. Instead, I didn't show him that it hurt me. I just explained to him and then he chose something different. Now, if you said, I still hate you, I would have said, yeah, that hurts me. I didn't even have to. He got it. Mm -hmm. It's just something about that child, that father, son, mother, daughter. If we invite it, if we explain something, if we tell them we don't want to be in that scenario, but we don't blame them for feeling that way, we're allowing them to have their own autonomy. And that is the secret sauce of the father oldest son, mother oldest daughter relationship. Everything you need to do needs to help them exercise their own autonomy more so than the other kids because since the day that they're born and you had stress and struggles, you've been asking them to be a partner with you as a parent to help you out. You've got to pay them back. You owe it to your kids when I say oh, to them, they've been helping you out so much, these oldest kids, when there's a moment where they need you to just sit there and deal with their emotions, whatever, it's so important that you do that at the moment that they need it because if you don't, they feel how angry and disappointed you are at them, but they're also angry and disappointed at themselves. Let them have their own feeling of disappointment and their own frustrations without you adding yours into it more so than the other kids because so they just, they can't yeah. separate the two. They think it's all them. Now, all kids are going to have, some kids are going to have these struggles regardless, but something about the firstborn daughter and firstborn son, it's too personal for them. So you have to separate it because if they don't have their own autonomy, their whole entire life is going to be, if I make mom and dad happy, I'm good. If I piss them off, then I'm a disappointment. You don't want them to live in those two extremes. You don't want them to feel like everything, like you said, like you just wanted your mom's acceptance. Your mom's a great woman. She's all, all these great things you told me about her. And she didn't know how to do that. She had no clue. And it's even different, weren't you the oldest child as well? So the oldest child and a daughter is different than a family has three or four boys and then a daughter trying to mother the oldest brothers. It's just, there's all these different variations. So when you're listening to this, no, there's tons of different combinations to this, but one thing is true. They are your best friend that you gave birth to. They are a part of you, more so than the other kids because they're the first version of you. They're 1.0. Like they're the, they're the beta. They were the start of everything else that came from it. But most importantly, they were the start of you looking at yourself differently in the mirror. Well, there it is. And, and if you're willing to let them lead you or encourage your improvement, then you are better equipped for everybody else.
Yeah, they're the only child that really, in my opinion, in the family system, because I talk about the family business a lot, where most of the kids, parents need to see their kids as not employees, but managers or future management potential. The oldest son, oldest daughter, they're really born into management. The day they're born, they, it's just not the same. It's totally different. They're the first of everything. Yeah. They help build the company with you. And then when you try to treat them like a regular employee, they're like, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> How come they're getting away when I was coming up through the ranks? So they're kind of constantly questioning yep. and testing. Invite the questions. Turn around and go, thank you for giving me that information, blah, blah, blah. I understand where you're coming from. Let's talk about this. By the way, if you ever have an issue with something I'm doing wrong, here's what I want you to do. I want you to tell me. But pull me aside. Don't do it in front of everybody else. Because managers don't have meetings in front of the whole company. Right. Explain to them. I see you as like a manager of our family and I need to listen to you more. So please come to me. Just don't come to me in front of everybody. You don't want me to tell you you failed in front of your siblings. So if you talk to them like that, why do you think they're going to act? They're going to go, oh, okay. So I get a chance to come and talk to you. Sweet. Oh, and I get to be seen as I have valuable information, AKA manager, even better. And you're telling me that there's no bad time to give you this information. Now, you don't have to like the information they give you, but as long as you're asking for it, it's going to help them have their own autonomy instead of them being stuck in this, do I make them happy? Do I not make them happy? Are they proud of me? Or are they not proud of me? That's why when I learned about this at first, it didn't make sense to me how the oldest child could be the, um, the hero and the black sheep. But when my professor explained to me, he said, really, they are one and the same because either way, they're helping the family. The black sheep, weighs a flag for the family saying my family needs help. The hero of the family is helping the family to progress and be better just in a different way. They're actually actively trying to help the family. So the it's really coming from the same place and it's not conscious. When you're listening to this, if you're thinking I'm telling you your kid is purposely trying to ruin your family as a black sheep. No, they're not purposely trying to do it. But if they don't feel like you can work with them as a partner, then they're like, man, I'm going to have to let the world in on this. The world's got to know that we need improvement too. And you don't want to go down that route and you don't want to go down having the neurotic kid who's like obsessed with being perfect either. Both of those aren't good places to be. Right in the middle, this is your mirror partner. This is your bread and butter. This is your ride or die person in your life that if you guys are working together and you get on the same wavelength, oh my gosh. Every family that I've ever worked with that meets the most amazing potential that they didn't even think they could meet always had a solid relationship between those people in the family. It's just, it's, it's foundational to the family. It's never going to be easy. Never it's gonna always going to take a lot of vulnerability and admitting when you're wrong and being open to change. Right. So, so recap a couple of things that they can do to help this because goal number one, acknowledge that, that this person has management capabilities. Um, so if you want this person to feel like they can come to you, you have to tell them their manager. Then you have to tell them to come to you. And then when they're criti cri being critical of you, you have to thank them. You just have to change the perspective so that they see their words don't have to be critical, that they're actually giving information instead. And once they start to do that with you, you'll start to see a mirror of, wow, I'm working with myself, but a younger version of myself that gets a whole fresh start. That's why you're excited with your daughter, but nervous same time. It's like, she could do so much better than me. She has all this opportunity. It's going to be a fresh start. You just have to get out of the way just enough so she can see herself in the mirror instead of just seeing your happiness or your disappointment. Right. And that, that's a tough, yeah. Well, I, I had some good light bulb moments there. So thank you for that. And I hope that those of you who are watching, well, 
I'm not allowed to help. You're allowed to help. Okay, 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 okay. (laughs) Um, Take some time to think about that. And um, if you're a journaler, it might be interesting for you to sit down and just kind of write about some interactions that you've had with your oldest same-sex child or maybe even a parent or maybe even something that you have witnessed Um, because these are, are patterns. And, um, and it's interesting. And the more that you notice, um, without being defensive, if we can notice this without being defensive, then we can take it on board and kind of make those adjustments. And that's what this is about. That's what this conversation is about, is knowing that you have more power than you even know to not just improve that relationship that you have with the child, but to improve the overall trajectory of your entire family. So it's kind of it's kind of a big deal, you know. <laughs> anyway, thank you all for listening. Thank you for watching. If you're watching on you on the YouTube, we um we appreciate that too. Um and you know, we want to give a shout out to our community sponsor, 1-800-CONTACTS, Contacts that is always there to back us up. And um, we're excited about about working with them and about some future things that we have in the works. Um, quick shout out, August 2nd and 3rd is our next parenting workshop that's here in Salt Lake. We've got some other ones coming up on the horizon, so we'll be announcing those soon. Um, Second and third gives you a couple weeks right before school starts to go into the new school season well-equipped. Yeah, it's going to be a perfect time. So we would love to have you join us. And um, what what else? Like and subscribe and follow us and send us your wins and all the things. Know that we appreciate so much you guys listening. Yeah, we do. We appreciate your support. We love it when you stop us in the grocery store and at the <laughs> restaurant and at the movie theater to tell us um, that you're listening. Um, keep listening and keep trying. And even when you're frustrated, don't give up because the relationships is what matters most. And even when you're f- the energy to fight is more like a pillow fight, it's okay. <laughs> That's right. It's better that than happens. nothing. It's better than <laughs> nothing. So as always, you guys, thank you for helping us to light the fight.